Punk's not dead, and neither is New Wave. Join Buzz and Ben on Static Rage, the Punk and New Wave album review podcast. It is a new year, 2023, year of our infernal majesty. And uh, we are back with more album reviews. I am Ben, and with me as always is Buzz. How are you doing tonight, Buzz? I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing amazing, and I'm ready to talk about possibly one of, I'm not going to say my favorite bands, but one of my favorite bands within the last 15 years. That's high praise. I could go into that. Uh, we won't get into it tonight, but there's some, there's some, uh, there's a schism going on in the, in the church of that mm-hmm. band, if you will. Um, we might get to it to another day, but yeah, as far as what we're going to talk about tonight, yes, this is definitely one of my favorite albums of the 2010s. Very cool. Um, so yeah, here we are to talk about the debut by the band Ghost, Opus Eponymous, released on October 18th of 2010 with a runtime of 34 minutes and 41 seconds. It was released on Rise Above and Metal Blade Records. The producer is Gene Walker. It's credited as Gene Walker. It's not actually Gene Walker. Really, it's Tobias Forge who is the vocalist, guitarist, and keyboardist for Ghost, but he's a pseudonym as the producer on this album, and which was very interesting. Uh, if you know this band, you probably know this. Um, this is before they started calling the musicians other than the um, anti-pope or whatever, uh, the nameless ghouls. They just called themselves Ghosts and listed the playing uncredited, but it is... As I said, Tobias Forge on vocals, guitars, and keyboards, Gustav Lindstrom on bass, and Ludwig Kenberg on drums. So jumping into this, um, I'm, I'm, I normally I haven't been doing this for a while, but I'm going to do it tonight because I'm a huge horror movie fan. Mm-hmm. For those of you that have clicked this and have looked at the album cover, the album cover is a picture of a church with uh, Papa Emeritus I, with his arms outstretched and there's bats and stuff means he's blue in the background. And the reason I'm bringing that up is if you've ever seen the movie Salem's Lot, that's a blatant ripoff of that. And if that's an indication of how this band should not be taken seriously lyric-wise, that should set the tone for tonight. So if anyone gets offended or weirded out that we're talking about some evil, evil satanic band, hopefully we'll poke, poke that bubble tonight. Well, we've talked about much more legitimately satanic stuff than this one. Um... Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, this is um, this is totally um, 1970s Hammer Horror or B-movies, Tromaverse, all of that stuff. Um, so it is a, a, it came out in 2010, like I said, but it sounds like it could have come out in 1973. Well, the production's better, but like the sound, this is a very... Um, not quite stadium rock, but edging towards that sound. Um, not that that's a bad thing. It's just, this is a band that is often lumped into metal. I think that's more to do with their their image and a lot of the musicians who play with them are in other metal bands, but they do not have what I would think of as a stereotypical metallic sound. It is very much somewhere in the... Less bluesy Led Zeppelin, um, not quite as heavy Black Sabbath, early Judas Priest, somewhere around in there. Um, 
other bands like Deep Purple and, and stuff like that is really what it's evocative about. So I always refer to this as metal core rather than metal. Um, but if you wanted to make the argument and give it its own one specific genre, the only reason I would agree with it being with this being a metal band is because some of those early metal bands um, like Judas Priest and um, even hell, even some to some degree like Sammy Hagar before he was with uh, Van Halen back then that was heavy metal. Yeah. And that's why Lumpus in that. So when people get mad and they get upset because does, this doesn't sound like Gorgoth and doesn't sound like mayhem and it doesn't sound like any of the other black metal bands that were around. Yeah. Cause that's not what they're going for. They're going for a very, like what I would legitimately call heavy metal. And I think a lot of people don't understand that a lot of times because the word metal has so many subgenres and there's different types. And I've met people that will only listen to metal. If the person singing is, you know, like trying to fucking choke the mic and you can't understand them. Um, so I'll be at cannibal corpse. I, I've heard people that will listen to metal that only listen to things like Black Sabbath or hell, even like or like later running James Dio. These are all metal. They're just different types of metal. So for purposes of tonight, I'm going to refer this to this as a metal band, even though they're kind of not sort of, I do still think they do fit into that because of that reason. Um, the interesting thing about this that uh, Ben just brought up as well is this is almost like a super group because uh, when they started in 2010, I didn't know who they were until 2012. Um, but if, when they started in 2010, like no one knew who they were. They just, when they showed up, they would show up to uh, shows. They kind of looked like everyone else and they didn't wear anything that made them look like they were in a band until they like came out of the dressing room. And then they're all, you know, dressed up in, in the robes and the uh, Papa Emeritus, uh, skull face etc and the people in these in this band um at least for the first three albums um were the same but they all came from different bands they were like all playing in three or four i think there's like three different bands that they all came from and so in a way it's kind of like a super group um there was also a, a time when after the second album dropped where they actually would have different people playing on stage and you wouldn't know who it was and it could be for someone very very famous and you just wouldn't know it because they wouldn't talk about it. Um, if And the, I think the one that comes to mind is I think Dave Grohl played guitar for them at one point when they were doing a U.S. tour after the second album came out. Um, just things of that nature. Apparently there's been other artists that played with them on stage that apparently no one knows about. So it's very cool if you go to a ghost show that there very well might be someone you've seen before and just because they're wearing the mask, you're not going to know about it. So I always thought that was kind of cool when I found that out. Yeah, like I know now one of the nameless schools, Turing, uh, I think it's Michael Ackerfeld from Opeth. He's one of the Turing guitarists currently, um, or at least he was at the time of recording. I've never seen this band live, um, but the principle is is somewhat similar to Guar, although not as, it's tongue-in-cheek in a different way. It's not as over-the-top satirical. Um as Guar, but it also kind of reminds me of Behemoth because when I went and saw Behemoth, they perform and their costumes are not quite as intricate as, or at least Nurgles is not as intri uh, as intricate as uh, Papa Emeritus, whichever one it happens to be because it changes from album to album. Um, but like the Nameless Ghouls are, are very similar to the way that the other band members in Behemoth dress and that it is 
a full body costume, including a, a full head covering mask so that you can't really identify who it is. And that's part of that's part of the appeal to me is it's I enjoy a mystery sometimes. And especially if you have someone playing on stage that, you know, maybe you've never seen them live one well, in, in a way you're kind of seeing them live now. Um, and I just I feel that always fed to the mystique of the band. And I think another interesting point is the fact that Tobias Forge did not want to do vocals initially. Um, I think they actually got the guy from uh, or one of the singers from Candlemas. I think they're trying to get him to do it and he turned it down. And so this is a situation of we can't get who we want to sing for this for this group. So fine, I'll just do it. And lo and behold, that propels you into something famous. Mm -hmm. He's a very good singer. Um, and the musicianship on this is top notch. You know, back to to kind of backtrack a little bit, because uh, something that Buzz said, I do agree that this sounds like the first generation of heavy metal quite a bit. Um, it is now what we would probably just call hard rock, if anything, but um, it does have a very evocative sound of a time and place. And it is that uh, cusp of the dawning of heavy metal. So that's something to go into. Um, for those of you who never, have never listened to this or might go, oh, this might not be kind of, kind of music, what they dress like on stage is definitely not what they sound like. Um, no. I've actually heard a lot of pop artists that name this band as something they enjoy because of how soft they are in a way. And oh, this stuff is melodic, uh, melodic as shit. I mean, they really know how to layer in melodies. Oh yeah, yeah. That's 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 I think what is what interests me to, the most is we're sitting here talking about this on a podcast that's primarily about punk, post punk, sometimes goth, sometimes metal, and we're talking about what almost could be a pop band, mm -hmm. and it's not because of their their image and some of their lyrical content. Uh, the other thing I was going to bring up too, and I've, I've brought this up with people before when they listen to this band, there's a correlation I like to make between Tool and Ghost. And what I mean by that is a lot of times the lyrics on a Tool song don't mean what they sound like. That is what a lot of lyrics, a lot of Ghost lyrics are like. They don't necessarily mean what they're trying to convey. Um, they use a lot of allegory. They use a lot of uh, symbolism sometimes a song means exactly what it means but it, it's just interesting that it goes back and forth so i typically call this like the the satanic tool and a lot of people when they start listening to it either they kind of understand what i'm saying or they either agree with me but it's just interesting that i've always made that correlation ever since hearing this band so it's one of these things that might be really subtle but yeah half half the songs on this album are our euphemism for something else. So keep that in mind. For sure. And they also play around with um, musical forms because there's a couple of songs on here that are essentially just uh, sped up waltzes, which is also not something that you would think of necessarily for punk or heavy metal for that matter, but it is something that shows again the, the way that they are willing to um, use classical influences in this band and and kind of play with expectations of the genre and that's really what the big takeaway to this is is uh when we talk about this tonight um when i do my grading scale i'm i'm going to deviate just a little bit just because of of what this band is and, and how they present themselves um what i will say though uh before we j jump in again um 
the amount of I'm, I don't I hate to say research, but I'm going to say research because I don't know that I can think of a better word at the moment that Tobias Forge uses when he does uh, certain songs on here. Um, it's very and the way the artwork is is very much like it's taken from a Nicene Creed, and they actually I think they 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 named that in one of the songs on here. On the back, there's a there's a, a like a twisted version of the Council of Nicaea on the album, where they're all like skeletons. It's pretty cool and stuff. So it's just it's not the first time a band has done something like this, but it's the first time a band has done this, and it's not heavy. So, I, you know, with that, it's just it's very melodic. I mean, that's the best way I can think to explain it. It's almost like you could you could just close your eyes, listen to it, and you could experience this rather than listen to it, and you'll get an idea of what it is. Um, but if you've ever seen any B film horror movie and you want to have a background noise to it instead of actually listening to uh, the content that's going on in the film itself, you could listen to this album on the background and just it would it would almost fit it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't really have much else to say about them image wise or sound wise. I mean, it, it's one of these things where I will say this. This isn't. They're far enough into their career that if you haven't listened to them, um, what we're saying probably is somewhat shocking to you, but they are, are incredibly popular. And I will say that the the sound essentially stays the same. I think that they do get better as songwriters as it goes along because there's stuff on the later albums that I've heard that I like much better than this. But this is a very solid. And if you listen to this album, you are going to know what you're going to get from the subsequent albums because it pretty much lays out the floor plan for what Ghost is that they will follow, at least to this recording. And that's kind of why I wanted to start with this one. Um, I also kind of feel like out of all their albums that I've, I've listened to and I've listened to all of them, I feel like this is the heaviest. Like this is the one, if you wanted to call them a metal band, this would be the one to kind of put it in. Um, they, they slowed down a lot on the second album. The third album, they got it kind of popular and that's when they became almost like a stadium rock band. But this one definitely feels like it's almost, you could say, yes, this is a metal band and be correct if you haven't heard the rest of the, the other albums as well. Um, so I just, with that said, I mean, I I think we've pretty much prepped everyone enough. Ben, you got anything else you want to add? Nope. Cool. So do you want to start with this? Or do you want me to? Go ahead. So the ones that I enjoy the most, if you listen to this as, as, it's, as it's done, it's almost done like in, in the terms of a mass. Very first song talked uh, starts out as instrumental on an organ called Deus Culpa, which means God's fault. Um, then it goes to Conclave Con Dio, which what's cool about that is if you ever see a show where they perform that song or if you see the, them doing a live video, uh, Tobias comes out and he's got a censure and he's moving it around. And for those that don't know, the censure is the is the uh, is the metal piece that has uh, incense burning. Uh, we use it a lot in mass. Um, so it's kind of interesting that for the longest time, this was like their opener. So it's like, Hey, mass is starting and, and, and I'm doing this. Um, 
Ritual is probably their most popular song on this album, and it's the one that I've heard a lot of people talk about, and I think it's because they pushed it a lot when they first got started. Uh, Ritual is that is that is that first to me song where they're not talking about what you think they're talking about because they're actually it's a euphemism for uh, for sex, and people don't get that. And if you listen to the lyrics, it starts making sense of what they're talking about because they actually use a lot of I dare say puns when they're when they're when he's singing, but it's very much like, oh, okay, I, I get what he's talking about now, right? You're you're creating the Antichrist, haha, okay, um, etc. But it's a very catchy song. Um, Stand by him is very catchy. Uh, Satan prayer sounds like it was more of almost like a psychedelic song, and then the one I like after that is I really enjoy uh, Prime Mover at the end, and then. The only reason I don't say Genesis is because that's the closing instrumental. Um, but those are the ones that always stick out the most to me. That's a pretty good list. Um, I will say that for me, the ones that stood out, not quite as many. I will say, before I list some individual tracks, all these tracks are of a significant enough quality that you should go listen. 30 more, 4 minutes and 41 seconds is not a lot of time. This is conceived in loosely as a concept album, so you should probably just go listen to the entire thing. Um, the tracks that stood out to me, I do like both of the instrumentals because I do think that they set the tone really well. I really love Elizabeth because it's a song about Countess Elizabeth Bathory, and I just that's a nerdy thing that I geek out over. Uh, then tracks five through seven, Stand By Him, Satan's Prayer, and Death Knell. I think are a pretty good little suite within the album that kind of gets to this being like over the top 70s hammer, you know, satanic panic metal, um, which I really appreciate being the age that I am. If you, I would say, and we're not really talking about it because the, the version that I listen to doesn't have it, but they do have a Japanese edition bonus track or a Japanese release that has a bonus track, which is a cover of Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles, which I have heard and didn't realize was on this album. That is fantastic, and you should track that down as well. Yeah, so that pretty much is the, the album itself. And like like Ben said, you have to kind of listen to this thing the whole way through because it, it does feel like a concept album. It definitely feels like it's an order of a story taking place. The main story about this is at the end of Prime Mover that the Antichrist is born, and then the second album picks up like right after that starts. So mm-hmm. um, the joke to this is I actually want to do this around Christmas because I thought it was going to be funny to do so, but we had things come up that we, we, we could not record. Um, and of course, while Here Comes the Sun is on the Japanese album, it is an awesome cover. It does not sound anything like a Beatles song, which I like about it. Um, to me, it's a, a cover done right where it's very familiar, but you can definitely tell it's not who the band is supposed to be. Yeah, they definitely put their stamp on it. And while this isn't on this album, they actually did have a EP that came out between this album and then their second album <clears throat> where they did a bunch of covers. And it was called If You Have Ghosts. And the covers on there are actually really, really well done. And I think a lot of that is Tobias Forge's just ability to arrange music and go, hey, I like this song. I'm going to make it mine now. And that's essentially what all their covers sound like. Agreed. Agreed. So um, with that said, Ben, anything else you want to add to this before we get into grading? 
No, uh, nothing I can think of. Um, well, actually, I'll take that back. You said uh, you were talking about you can, if you wanted to watch an old horror movie and not listen to it, to the soundtrack to it, and maybe put this on in the background. I think doing that to something like Rosemary's Baby or um, Damien would, would be appropriate. But that's neither here nor there, really. No, I agree. Uh, this is a, more of a like a slow-paced horror movie rather than like a slasher or something that's like overtly, um, overtly supernatural. Um, I mean, it definitely feels like watch if you watch The Omen that this fits. If you watch Rosemary's Baby, this fits. If you watch uh, any of the, uh, the the Warlock movies, I think kind of fits. But um, it's it does fit that that very well. Um, I've never done it myself, but I've heard someone say if you take it and you put it like to a Stephen King film, for example, you can just turn the volume down and listen to this album and it kind of fits that as well. Um, so just give you an idea. But um, with that said, man, I'm ready to grade if you are. I am. Well, you already know how I feel, so I'm going to go ahead and go first and get out of the way. Um, I really like this. I like this band, at least during this time period. Um, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, I like this album. While it's not a perfect album, um, and it's not necessarily the kind of music I normally listen to, I do like it a lot. Um, the musicianship is amazing. I will tell you this. It, if you just even if you hate the lyrics, just listen to the music itself. The arrangement is done well. Um, everyone on this album brings it. Uh, Tobias is really intelligent with how he arranges everything. So musically wise, this is getting an A plus for me. As far as where where does it fit for me in the punk goth metal spectrum? Um, if I judge it based solely on that, it would probably get a B plus for me. Um, because it doesn't quite hit that level of what I would like to see from a band. Because when you have someone come out on stage that looks like the anti-pope, one of the things needs to happen. Either you need to be very, very like, oh, oh these people are about to like destroy the stage. Or you need to kind of do what they already do to where they can lull you in with a false sense of security. Um, while I appreciate that, I actually prefer the former when it comes to stage shows. So... That's the only reason it's getting a B plus and seven A. I think those are both fair. Um, I only give the one grade, as you know. So I'm going to come in a little bit lower than your low grade. I do agree with you that the playing on this is fantastic. Um, I do like that subtle inversion and the subtleness of the, you know, if you weren't really paying that much of attention to the lyrics, you might not think that this is as insidious as it is. Um, even though I don't think they're serious, but still, you get what I'm saying. Um, however, I do like some of their later albums better, so I'm going to come in and give this a B because I do think they have all the elements there. I just don't think that they have used them to their their best um, to their to their best suit yet. I think that they are still learning even though like they say that they wrote some of these songs two years before they recorded them and that's probably true that's not uncommon um i do think they get more of what they're going for this thematic the universe that they're building um and these are this is just the first layer and it's a good first layer but i do think some of the stuff that comes later is better yeah uh you can you can definitely tell this is a first album and they have that first album issue that a lot of bands have um so not necessarily a bad thing everyone starts somewhere but mm -hmm. 
it's it's that that spark of hey this could be really genius it's just missing something um and that's kind of where i fall to it and that's why i gave it the great i did um sure. but with that said uh before we continue on ben would you buy this yeah i would buy this i think that this is a, a it fits into a very particular niche within my music collection and I, I just for if nothing else the theatrical nature of this band i would probably get this and i agree with that um i i definitely think if you have don't have it or a recording of it somewhere go out and get it i also i would also say it's worth getting on vinyl too because their vinyl album covers are and their sleeves have a little bit of extra stuff in them that their their CDs themselves don't. So if you have the money, I would pick one up on out on on vinyl as well. Excellent. So my friend, what are we going to do next time? Well, before I talk about that, we're going to give you a bonus song. Because we have to, we have to, we have to kind of make up for being out for a couple of weeks. Um, so, a little a few minutes ago, we were talking about how they had a bunch of covers, and one of them was called "If You Have Ghosts." That is probably their most popular cover. A lot of people that I've talked to don't realize it's a cover. Um, it's a very awesome song. It's very done very well. It's almost sad the way they do it uh, because they have two versions. They have a version where he's got the entire Tobias has the entire band and they got they got the guitars and the the synthesizer playing they also have a few acoustic versions which I actually think are better because it almost draws more motion out of his voice um Ben you have any thoughts on that no I can I think so he's just a fantastic front man so uh getting to hear him sing without the amplified um, or well, the acoustic the instruments are amplified, but getting to hear him sing in an acoustic setting, I think, is great. And it's I would encourage everyone to go listen to that version. Um, go listen to it, the the normal version, the recorded version, then find the acoustic one, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Now you might be wondering why I'm bringing this up. That because that's because it's going to fit into what we're going to talk about next week. Um, so if you have ghosts is a cover of a rocky erickson song <clears throat> rocky erickson was in a band called i think 13th elevators um at one point he went off and ventured on his own and did a solo project where it was rocky erickson and the aliens and the album that he did was called the evil one so we're going to be talking about that next week just one minor correction it's the 13th floor elevator 13th floor okay it's i knew it was 13 something it's been a while yeah. since i listened to it totally but no, yeah, I'm looking forward to that because uh, I was late to the Rocky Erickson train, considering like he was primarily active in like the 70s and 80s. Um, but I am quite a fan of his songwriting. So that's what we're doing next week, boys and girls. So give it a listen. We'll let you know when we come back. Until next time. Have a good one. Peace.